Thanks for listening to the Cool Church Podcast. We're praying that wherever you are on this journey, that this message encourages you. And we wanted you to know that you were created out of love. And now, here's today's message with our very own Pastor Terrence Wilson. Y'all ready for a word? I'm ready to preach one. And I don't think I'm going to take too long today. But every pastor says that, and five altar calls later, you're still in church. But every dad out here, I want you to know, man, you're, you're, listen, doesn't matter if you weren't a good dad yesterday, you can be a good dad today. You could, you could change the trajectory of your family's life if all you do is continue to show up. You don't have to have all the perfect dad jokes. You don't have to have all the greatest wisdom. You just got to be there. Being there means so much, man. I love all of you men, and I'm going to pray for all of y'all before this is all said and done. But once again, let's give it up for our men. Happy Father's Day. Mm. So, so we're, in this, we're in this fourth part of this higher learning series, and we're, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. But it is Father's Day, but I, I want you to understand how the Holy Spirit and Father's Day work together. And I'm going to read a verse, and I'm going to pray. And hopefully you catch where I'm going on this Father's Day. The verse is out of Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. And, you know, over the last few weeks, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit, how, you know, it empowers you, and the Holy Spirit is like the wind. It wants to blow wherever it pleases. And how many of you know, you got to go with the wind. The thing about the wind is you don't see it, but you see how it changes things. If the wind is on you, it's going to change you. But the wind doesn't want to just change you. It wants to empower you. God has so many different gifts for you. And we talked about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But I want to take a turn as we talk about the Holy Spirit today to talk about forgiveness. Colossians 3. 13. Welcome online family. I love you so much. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. But Colossians chapter 3 verse 13 says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And the church said, If you're taking notes on this fourth part of higher learning, I've entitled it this. Father, forgive. Father, forgive. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. For this is the day that you have made. God, let us rejoice and be glad in it. God, I thank you that before the earth began to spin on its axis, you knew each and every person that was going to be here today and watch them online. And God, I pray that I would lie down as you would rise up. Don't let these words be my own, but let them come directly from your throne room of grace. I pray that hearts, minds, and ears are open and receptive to a word that will always and only be about Jesus. God, I pray that you would touch somebody's heart in such a way that they would meet you. Or that you will reintroduce yourself to somebody that's been far from you. I pray for every father in this place. I pray that they know that they are loved. And I pray that they know that they are appreciated. And I pray for the person in here today that's having a tough time on this Father's Day because maybe their father's no longer here with them. 
God, for the person that's missing their dad today, I would pray that you give them a Holy Ghost hug right now. That you would reach your arms down from heaven and embrace them because you are close to the broken heart. If all those missing dad today, I pray that they know that they have a heavenly father who will never leave them, who will never forsake them, that loves them more than life itself. God, we thank you for our fathers. I thank you for this word that when it goes forth, it will not return void. In Jesus' name, and everybody set. Everybody set. Give Jesus a shout of praise in this place today. Father, forgive. So, on this, uh, on this Father's Day, I want to talk about one of the greatest gifts that a father can give. And if I can be honest with you, God has given me a lot of things, my heavenly father. But the greatest gift that I believe that God the Father has given all of us is forgiveness. God has given us forgiveness. And I believe that God maybe even wants to use some fathers today to reconcile some relationships and heal some families. I, I, I believe that God wants the earthly father to mimic him. Your earthly father should be a representation of your heavenly father. So if our heavenly father forgives, then guess what? Our earthly fathers have to show forgiveness as well. Amen? Our earthly fathers are actually here to teach us what forgiveness looks like. And if the greatest gift that our Heavenly Father can give us is forgiveness, and one of the greatest teachings our earthly fathers can give us is forgiveness, then I would also say that maybe the greatest gift you can give your father is forgiveness. There's some people in this room today and they kind of tense up on Father's Day because as they, sit, as they sit here and hear me talk about how good of a father my father was, you say, that's not my experience. So Father's Day is rough for me. But I would say if the Heavenly Father has forgiven you, maybe you could find it in your spirit to forgive your father. What a great gift you could give on this day. And as I pulled up this verse from the Apostle Paul in Colossians 3.13, I just want to give you some context. When Paul writes, bear with one another, brothers and sisters, when he writes that and he says, forgive others as Christ forgave you, he's sitting in a prison in Rome. He's sitting in a prison awaiting trial. He's like, man, I, I need to see Caesar. We need to take this thing to the Supreme Court. Y'all got me here on some trumped up charges. Not only am I a Pharisee, not only am I a Jewish man, but I am a Roman citizen, so I am exercising my right to see Caesar. And he sits in prison for years waiting for his actual trial. But while he's there, he's writing two-thirds of the New Testament that we read today. And he writes this book to the church, the Colossian church, and 
He writes it for two reasons. One, he wants to correct some false doctrine. That's usually why Paul was writing a church. He founded many churches, but he wanted to make sure as an apostle, remember we talked about the role of the apostle. They're supposed to guide and govern the church, right? By teaching them correct theology, teaching them correct doctrine, empowering powerful men and women of God to keep those teachings in place so that the people of God can grow. So what Paul really was for the church was a layer of accountability. How many of you know we all need some accountability in our life? So Paul, being the father of many churches, was trying to hold the church accountable. He's like, hey, man, y'all got some stuff that y'all want to clean up, but not that you need to clean up. But not only is he trying to teach accountability, Paul, he wants to teach practical ways for Christian living. We can make Christianity sound super spiritual, but when in actuality, it can be hyper-practical. So he gives them some practical handles. He's like, hey, I need you to bear with one another. I need you to have like some patience for one another because if you're calling yourselves brothers and sisters in Christ, then you actually have to get along. And the only way that you're actually going to know how to get along is if you start to forgive one another the way that Christ has forgiven you. So he gives them this practical handle of forgiveness. How many of you know the world could be better if we would all just learn to forgive one another? Like, we want to make it a super spiritual thing, but it's a very practical thing. Forgive one another. Why does Paul say forgive one another as Christ has forgiven you? It's the same reason that I want to talk about forgiveness today, because the reality is you cannot move forward in God's family if you cannot forgive. You just can't. Like, you, you, if, if you say, oh, I love Jesus, and you are harboring unforgiveness against somebody— then you are literally holding yourself back from your full spiritual potential. Here's a reality. I want you to go to Webster's Dictionary, or any dictionary for that word, matter, and I want you to look up the word unforgiveness. I challenge you to do it. Let me tell you what you'll find. Nothing. Unforgiveness is not even a real word. The only word that is real is forgiveness. So there's something that we're literally holding inside of us that's not even real. I believe forgiveness is, is very important. And I want to talk about forgiveness because once again, we talked about all these spiritual gifts and all these things. We cannot move forward in what God has for us without forgiveness. What does the Holy Spirit have to do with forgiveness? Let's go back to Acts chapter 2, verse 38. When the apostles get filled, the disciples get filled with the power of the Holy Ghost, and Peter preaches a message that starts the Christian church, and 3,000 people get saved. And the Bible says in Acts 2, 38, it says, And Peter said to them, Read Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the what? Forgiveness of sin. He's like, repent. So you get your forgiveness. And so the Holy Spirit part doesn't even come without the repentance and the forgiveness. He says, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But you cannot receive the gift of the Holy Spirit unless you repent and receive forgiveness from God himself. So there's a caveat to you receiving this Holy Spirit. In other words, forgiveness must 
take place for you to operate in your full spiritual potential. You cannot operate in Holy Spirit gifts if there is unforgiveness. And I told you last week, your gifts, your spiritual gifts, they help you figure out and they help you fulfill your God-given purpose. So, let's put it all together. If I need my gifts for my purpose and I cannot get my gifts until I forgive, essentially, I must operate in forgiveness if I want to operate in my purpose. Some of us are literally holding ourselves back from what God has created us to do because we cannot forgive. We cannot find it in our heart to forgive it. I'm telling you, it is like a water faucet that you have, you have allowed unforgiveness to turn closed. And instead of God pouring out all kinds of blessing on you, the faucet is turned off because of your unforgiveness. But God wants to pour out on you and only God's forgiveness of your sins can truly unlock your spiritual gifts. So in other words, unforgiveness limits your power. You want to live a full life, the abundant life that Christ calls you to live in John 10, 10, or you want to live a full, or, or, or you want to live a life cut off from the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't want some of what God has for me. I want all of what God has for me. And the only way to get that, I actually have a say in that, through my willingness to forgive others. Right? You say, Pastor, man, you don't understand, man. You don't know what, I, what I've been through, man. Like, forgiveness is hard. Man, when I, first, when I first married this beautiful woman here, God, you look good. You look like a, like, just like a flowing angel with all that white on today. You look, I'm up here with a Texas tuxedo on. You just, you flowing. When I first married my dear wife 16 years ago, the first place we ever lived in was a loft. Anybody ever lived in a loft before? Say, what's a loft? Not, just, not like a loft bed. Usually a loft, when they talk about a loft as, as like an apartment or a place that you live, usually what it is is a place without walls. So there's no room separation. It's like a big space, and you have to section off spaces with shelves or with different pieces of furniture. So when we lived in this loft, there were only uh, uh, two doors in this house. There was the door to get into the loft, and then there was a door for the bathroom because that's the place that everybody needs privacy. Other than that, we just had this big space like this separated by different pieces of furniture. And we lived in a loft for eight years, and people say, Pastor Terrence, how come you're so good at forgiveness? Because I lived in a loft. A loft will teach you how to forgive really quick. A loft will teach you how to get over stuff. I remember as a young married couple, you know, we, we argue, we fight. Listen, listen, stop thinking like, oh, they got it all together. It's perfect. You see their Instagram pictures and she be like loving on him on stage and stuff. We fight like everybody else. We're normal humans. But when we lived in this loft, man, she'll tell you, our fights were the strangest fights of all time. Because usually what happens is, 
people get in the fight and somebody like, well, forget this. And they'll go somewhere and they'll slam a door. We ain't had no doors to slam. Like, she couldn't get away from me. She couldn't. I couldn't get away from her. So we like, we start doing like childish and petty things because like while we were arguing, if we were upset, too upset, and we couldn't, we couldn't like, like keep going anymore. Instead of going to one room and somebody else go to another room, one person would go to a corner and another person went to another corner. <laughs> like five years, I'm going over here then. Don't come in my corner. It's my space. Sometimes like she'd get really frustrated with me and she would actually hide in the bathroom because it was the only door. Don't come in here. I'm like, girl, I got to use the bathroom. I don't care how mad you are. When you live in the law, if you learn how to forgive, like there's nowhere to hide. Like sometimes we'd be like really childish. Like she's like in the bed with like a pillow overhead. I can't see you. So you're not here. My wife, you know, they say women use 20,000 words a day and men use 7,000 words a day. So obviously she was much more vocal than I was and I didn't want to express feelings, but my wife always wants to express her feelings. So like there were times, she's super petty. She wouldn't say how she felt, she would write it. You are so, so dumb. I'm done with, like I'm walking around the house finding notes. You are so, who was this for? I know this one. We did it because like it was, a, it was a better option than screaming and carrying on all, all over the place, right? That actually might help somebody today. Instead of carrying on, why don't you actually write down how you feel? Might help you, right? When you live in a loft, you, you, you quickly understand the concept of forgiveness because when everything's out in the open, it gets uncomfortable if you allow yourself to continue to live that way. He's like, I got it. So, so we used to we used to clean up whatever our argument was quick because it was awkward for both of us when we held something against one another. There was nowhere to run. There was nowhere to hide. And here's the reality: we always say, prepare for war in times of peace. It's not if you're gonna have a fight. Harold and Sherry know because they teach our marriage mentors, you're gonna fight. The reality is, though, we have to fight fair. And the church said, so I, I want to give you like three quick, like just practical ways to fight, but fight fair. And this is not just for your spouse. This is like your friends. This is your family. Because some of us have, um, some of us got like issues with our family. And one, we can't even remember why we still got issues with your family. But if you just took the time to like resolve it, y'all would have been cool by now. But people just don't fight fair. So obviously, this is the first rule goes without saying. These are like Wilson uh, house rules. Like when we fight one, keep your hands to yourself. And the church said, Amen. we ain't about that abusive nonsense here, man. Like this, the, the, the fruit of the spirit is self-control. If your hands are the only way you talk, you need to go get help. You need to get real like help. Like do not put, I don't care who it is. No one deserves that. And the church said, if you get frustrated in an argument and you feel like you are at an impasse and you move forward, rule number two, you can take time away from an argument, but you have to circle back to it later for closure. You got to come back. You can't just leave that thing in the air and then go get, be given the silent treatment for a week and then be withholding sex for a week. And then, mm, let me tell you. 
Y'all better stop using sex as a weapon. That's the easiest way to push your mate away from you. Because if they don't get it from you, they going to look somewhere else. No, y'all want me to be like, y'all want me to be kumbaya this morning. I'm trying to be real with you. Circle back to it. The, the Bible says don't, don't go to sleep. Don't let the sun set on your what? On your anger. Resolve it. Like, come back to it. I don't care if the fight started at 7 a.m. Before midnight, you come back to that thing. And I'm not just talking to Mary folk. I'm, I'm like, who are, your friend, your mama, your dad. Come back to that thing. Try to, try to figure out some compromise. Try to figure out a middle ground. Here's a rule that I want to throw in there just if you're a married couple. If you're going to like separate for a moment to disagree, I would suggest that you do not leave the house. You don't want to create a precedent in your home that every time something happens, you're out the door. We have fought. And we have had some fights where I'm like, Lord, I don't know if she's ever going to see it my way. And she was like, Lord, I don't know if he's ever going to see it my way. The one thing I will say after 16 year marriage, it don't matter how bad the fight is, we do not exit the door. We might sit there and pout. We might write left. We might, but we do not exit the door. Why? Because we're setting the precedent. We're going to stay in this and fight. We're going to stay in the fight. We're not going to exit the ring until it's over. Right? That's married couples. Please, like, stop setting the precedent every time son. Oh, I'm just going to go out with the fellas real quick. Because you know what you do? You open up your imagination for what could happen. Like, I don't even want to give her those thoughts about me. What he out there doing. Or what she out I don't even want We don't want to. Because what that does is it adds to the argument. Some of you think you're making it better. I'm just going to get out of here. No, 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 no. All you're doing is allowing the enemy to now start playing with your mind because you begin to wonder what the other person is doing. She ain't got to wonder where I'm at. He in the room. I might be playing video games, which probably might make it even more mad. How he playing video games right now? Don't leave. But the, 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 last, the last practical rule I give you is and this, this might save somebody's marriage or save somebody's relationship with a parent, with a brother, with a sister, with a friend. It's okay to agree to disagree. If you're going to clap, clap. Don't give me a petty clap. I love my wife, but she can tell you we do not agree on everything. And I actually like it better that way because I know she's going to come to the table with a unique perspective. She knows I'm going to come to the table with a unique perspective. And there are these times that even when we don't agree, we come to an awesome middle ground. And we come to a new conclusion that neither one of us had before our previous conclusions because we decided to find compromise. It's okay to agree to disagree. The, the, the prerequisite for, uh, for a relationship is not that you're on the same page all the time. Sometimes being on the same page is realizing and knowing that we're not on the same page about this thing. It's okay to agree to disagree. That's just practical. I hope that like helps somebody out there. Everybody's going to fight, but you got to fight fair. And I don't care how hard you try, the reality is the reason you have to fight fair is because you can't avoid people forever. 
Some people like just gonna live life in a silo. Like you can't do this every time somebody coming. Like I hate when I'm somewhere I wanna be and then somebody shows up that I don't wanna see. Now I'm uncomfortable in a place that I wanted to be. You want people, you want to allow people to make you uncomfortable in spaces that you're comfortable because you weren't man or woman enough to have a conversation? I want to be, you know what, you know what that's called? Prison. I want to live free wherever I am. Who the sun sets free. I don't want somebody renting so much room in my head that they dictate where I can or cannot go to feel comfortable. I want to live in freedom, right? Eventually, eventually you got to face your issues. And the thing about unforgiveness, the reason that Paul talked about it so much is because people were driving a wedge in relationships in the church. He said, how y'all church people acting like this? This is not why, why, why we founded this thing. This is not Christ's original intent. Like, I see people in the marketplace acting better than people in the church house sometimes. And Paul was like, no, 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 no. We're going to nip this in the bud. We family. The Bible says that we belong to one another. We got to fix this thing, and we cannot allow unforgiveness to fester. Eventually, you're going to have to face your issue because nobody wins when the family feuds. Maybe, maybe today you've heard that old saying that unforgiveness is like drinking poison waiting for the other person to die. We kill ourselves. We divide family and we divide the kingdom of God when we refuse to forgive. And I just want to say it because it's real. If you have unforgiveness in your heart today, it's a heart issue that must be checked in order for you to reach your full potential in God's kingdom. So, Pastor, you laid out the issue, you laid out the problem. How do we forgive? How? How, Sway? You ain't got the, you ain't got all, <laughs> you ain't got all the answers, Sway. How? I got to forgive? Yeah, sure. Easier said than done. Easy sermon to preach, Pastor. Hard one to live. How do I forgive? Two points and we out. The first one is this. Forgiveness requires the fruit of the Spirit. Forgiveness, it, requ it requires it. You can't forgive people without the fruit of the Spirit. Like you need, this is, oh, we, we hire learners, Holy Spirit. What's forgiveness got to do with the Holy Spirit? You can't forgive without the Holy Spirit. Because you need the fruit. What is the fruit of the Spirit? They're the character of God. The character of God displayed in your everyday life. And you cannot forgive without the Holy Spirit. For Colossians 3, 13, the first part says, I just want you to underline this. Bear with each other. Look at your neighbor and say, bear with each other. Look at your other neighbor, the one you don't like because you picked them second and say, bear with each other. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone, bear with each other. When the verse says bear with each other, it's asking us for patience to put up with one another. We family, y'all got to bear with me. You got to put up with me. Am I going to get everything right? No. But as a family, 
exercising the fruits of the spirit, we got to be patient. Like some people give up on some people so fast. Like we, we, we love to judge people off of a snapshot, a snapshot of their life instead of the entire timeline. Cancel culture is so annoying because somebody can have an amazing track record. They do, they make one dumb mistake and everybody canceled them like they ain't never made a mistake before. It's so stupid. You gonna judge me off a mistake? Because we don't have patience with people. First thing you do wrong, I'm done with you. Like, so you gonna live your life just casting everybody off? Eventually you'll have no relationships left. So when the Bible says bear with, Paul is saying, hey, I need y'all to put up one another, but, I, but like to put up with one another, you have to have patience. But the truth is, to bear with people, I'm gonna tell you something, you need more than patience. You need all the fruit. You need every single fruit of the Spirit. Well, what's the fruit of the Spirit, Pastor? If I needed to forgive, this is why some of y'all have a hard time forgiving, because the Bible says in Galatians 5, 23, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, which means patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. In order to forgive, I need the fruit of the Spirit. So now we're all going to read that same verse together because I need you to know the fruit so that you can exercise them to forgive people that you need to forgive. The Bible says in Galatians 5.22, and everybody read it with me, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control against such things there is no law some of us have a hard time forgiving because maybe you have love but you have no patience maybe maybe just maybe you got some joy you got some kindness, you got some goodness, but you ain't got any faithfulness. It's like you could be kind for a moment, but you can't be kind consistently. And you wonder why it's hard to forgive. You can't just have some of the fruit. You need all of the fruit to operate. Like, how can you forgive somebody without love? When you love people, you say, man, I'm a, I'm a, like, we're created out of love, by love, for love. Like, love forgave us. How can we not operate in love when we forgive one another? We need love. But, like, joy. Like, some people are like, oh, I, 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 I forgive you. But then you act stank every time you see them. People won't even know that you're forgiven because you're not operating in joy. Like, if I say, baby girl, we good, and then I don't act like we're good, then she's not going to believe that I'm good. Like, there has to be some joy. Like, if we good, like, we need to go back to the way it was before. But if it's like, man, I'm forgiven. Every time I see her, I'm like, where's my joy? Forgiveness should inspire some, some, some joy, peace. Forgive you, but, like, you forgive them, and you talking about you got peace, but as soon as they do something, you know what you do? You don't even point out the new thing they do. You go back to the old thing that they did. 
I thought you had peace about it, though. If you had peace about it, why you keep bringing it back up? Why you bringing old arguments into new ones? You need, you need, you need, I'm just saying like, like, yo, I'm not trying to like make this stuff. Like you need all of these in, in, in order for this to work. Pay, pay, like some of us are so impatient with, with people. One thing I'm learning about a dad, I'm learning how to be more patient with my child. Cause she makes, she makes like, she makes mistakes. So the other day we were at a hotel, we were hanging out, just having a good time. And, and um, I'm getting ready. I come out the bathroom and it's the morning, y'all. It's, it's, the, it's the morning, all right? It's the morning. I'm a morning person. I'm like excited. Baba's not really a morning person, but she's already dressed. She's, she's ready to go. And then I see her with this green bottle in her hand. I'm like, this is a green bottle. I'm like, do you have a Sprite in your hand? I'm like, I ain't buy no Sprite. Where'd she get this Sprite from? And I realized, I said, Baba, I said, where you get that Sprite from? She's like, oh, this fridge, it got all these drinks in it. That was the most expensive Sprite I ever paid for in my life. I was like, baby girl. Now, the older me as a younger dad, I just popped off because I was just like, what are you doing? But you ask that question assuming that she knows what she's doing. So, as I'm getting older, I kind of laughed. I was like, baby. I was like, one, why are you drinking soda in the morning? Like, like, like you just woke up. Like, get some water. Like, you know? She's like, ah. I was like, baby girl, every time you take a drink out of that fridge that is not agua, we must pay extra for that. And I just like, oh, dad, I didn't know. I could have been like, what's wrong with you? Why are you doing it? You should know better. Holy Spirit spoke to me. was like, man, be patient with her. She didn't know. How's she going to know if you don't teach her? That requires patience, kindness, goodness. Like, can we just be, how are people going to know you forgive them if you're not even nice? Like, be nice. <laughs> the world is hard already. I love when I go to a restaurant and the waiters are wearing those, their shirts to say, be nice. Such a great, like, be, be nice. Like, man, there are good people in this world. You know who the good people are? The people filled with the Holy Spirit. Be good, like, do good, do good things, man. Like, and then, and then I, I love this. Be gentle. Some of us forgive, but then we're so harsh. I forgive you, but I ain't got to chill with you no more. Like, what? It's like, yo, can we be, can we be like, like more gentle with the way that we deal with, 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 with people? Self, oh my goodness. Forgiveness requires a lot of self-control from me because for me to actually forgive you, I can't be petty. So I have to control my desire to be petty. A lot of us, man, like we forgive, but we still making them little snarky comments. Like, 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 okay, homeboy came home late one night, and then you say, oh, I, I, I forgave him, and then when he go out the next time, you sure you gonna come back this time? I'm like, yo, that, <laughs> you ain't have to say that. You had to say, you could, you could say, babe, I'm gonna miss you, can't wait till you come back. You sure you coming back? It requires self-control, man. 
You got to have self-control. You see, when you bear with someone, it has, listen to this, when you choose to bear with someone through the fruits of the Holy Spirit, it has no bearing on if the person should know better or not. Some of us only want to bear with people based upon our personal perspective. So you're judging them based upon the fact that you think they should know what you know. But if I'm a bear with you, I, if I'm going to choose to bear with you, I could, care, I could care less whether you know or not. Because me choosing to bear with you is about a choice that I'm making, not about what you're doing. So it's like, they should know better. Listen, you don't bear with somebody because they should know better. You bear with somebody because you choose to bear with them. You, you, you choose to be patient. And as a believer in the situation, because some of us are in some unforgiveness situations with some believers, but some of them are in some situations with some non-believers. As the believer in the situation, you are on the hook with God to exercise the fruits of the Spirit. They are not. You are. Because they don't know. Right? So you're all right, all right, I get, I get that, Pastor. But what if they're a believer too? Should we both be on the hook with God for that? The answer to that question is yes. But I ain't here to talk about them today. I'm here to talk about you. You still have the responsibility. Because even if the person that you are beefing with is a Christian, you are called to be the bigger person. Still, because God is going to, at the end of the day, judge both of you. So, you should assume in every situation that even if they're a Christian and you're a Christian, you are still on the hook because you have to assume that you have a better understanding of grace than they do. We all might be believers, but we all got a different understanding of grace. I've been around the block a little longer. So there are things that used to get to me that don't even get to me anymore. I just, I just brush them off my shoulder. But somebody new in, in the faith, we're going to judge them and come at them. It's like, well, they should know because they accepted Jesus. They got baptized last week. They should know. You got baptized 10 years ago and you still don't know. You're on the hook because you are accountable for your own life. So I don't care if they're supposed to know, you're not gonna get to heaven like, God, I would've forgave them, but they supposed to know better. He's gonna say, what about you? Ain't you supposed to know better? Somebody, somebody's gotta, like, I don't care whatever arguments you have, somebody's gotta choose to be the bigger person. Every single time. I don't care what, whether you're right or wrong, it doesn't matter, someone has to choose to be the bigger person person because God is going to always judge you for what you do not what they do ask yourself as it pertains to forgiveness are you willing to forgive the person that you're harboring unforgiveness to even if they never change See, that's a hard question for people and I ain't, I ain't expect to amen there because as I said that I know people really processing that they're really processing. So, 
wait, Pastor, I got to forgive them even if they ain't willing to change? The answer to that emphatically is yes. Do you realize that Jesus Christ himself died on a cross for people that he knew would never change? And it does not stop him from being the bigger person. He could have looked at them Pharisees. I ain't, nah, God, I, I know your will, not mine. I ain't dying for them, though. We wouldn't be here worshiping right now. Jesus doesn't just die for those he knows will receive him. He dies for people that he knows will never change. As it pertains to unforgiveness, you, you, I, 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 want, I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this. As it pertains to unforgiveness, it's not about what the other person is going to do. Jesus dying on the cross says, Father, Luke 23, 34, forgive them for they know not what they do. As he stretched out, dying, bleeding, people are spitting on him, hurling insults at him, and he's still like, man, forgive him. Man, forgive him. Why? Because it wasn't about what they were doing. Jesus says, in order for humanity to be healed, I must forgive. I must forgive regardless of what they are doing. That's why forgiveness is so beautiful because you're supposed to do it. When Jesus says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, Jesus says that, and it's not like people were like, wow, Jesus forgave us. We should change our life now. Some people still kept talking junk about him. Hey, if you got, yeah, that forgiveness stuff is cute. If you got, come down off that cross. So when we forgive, true forgiveness that comes from God is beautiful because you're supposed to do it in spite of how the other person will respond. I just want somebody to internalize that. You're supposed to forgive in spite of how the other person will respond. Why? Because we don't forgive for feedback, we forgive for freedom. Some of y'all only willing to forgive because you just, like, you, you waiting for somebody to apologize to you before you forgive them. If Jesus was waiting for our apology, all of us, all of us would not know the salvation that we need in him. But Jesus says, let me forgive you before you even have the opportunity to apologize. Why? Because when I forgive somebody, I don't care if they say, man, I am so sorry I hurt you. You know why I forgive them? Because I don't want to walk around holding that weight on my heart of unforgiveness in me. I don't forgive them for their I'm sorry. I don't forgive them for their feedback. I forgive them for my own freedom. I want to be free from the drama, so I forgive. But some of us have walked around with pain for years because we still waiting on the feedback. I'm waiting on them to apologize and then I forgive them. Well, you are living in bondage. You are living in bondage. You may be waiting on a response. I'm, I'm telling you this to free somebody that may never come from a man. 
Some of y'all waiting on something that's going to come from a man, a response that may never come from him. You know what? I don't live for a response from a man. I live for the one response that actually matters, and it comes from God. And you know what that response is? It's not, I'm sorry. It's, well done, my good and faithful servant. I live for the audience of one. So if man never responds the way that I want them to respond, I'm always going to live in such a way where God responds, well done. Every time you forgive my son or daughter, he says, well done. When it's all said and done with my life, I want to live in freedom, knowing that I did a job well done, and I didn't walk around in the shackles of my unforgiveness, but I walked around in the freedom because Jesus set me free. If you believe it, say amen. The fruit of the Spirit helps us to bear with each other to make forgiveness possible. But I love this second point and this last point. If forgiveness requires fruit, make sure you're eating from the right tree. Colossians 3, 13, I'm reading the second half. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Some of us can't forgive because the fruit that we are eating is coming from the wrong tree. It ain't God's tree, it's your tree. If I'm eating from the fruit of the Spirit, if I'm eating from God's tree, then I'm eating love, I'm eating joy, I'm eating, but if I'm eating from my tree, I'm eating pettiness. I'm eating anger. I'm eating disappointment. I'm eating expectation. None of those things will help me forgive properly. But what does the Bible say? Galatians 5, 24 through 25. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. 25, catch this. Since we live by the Spirit, let us stay in step with the Spirit. If you want to live by the Spirit, you got to do what the Spirit does. You got to go where the Spirit goes. You got to receive from the Spirit. You got to eat from the right tree. You got to stay in line. You got to stay in character with the Spirit. That's what this is telling us. So if you can't forgive, I have to question where your example of forgiveness is actually coming from. What, what tree are you actually eating? What fruit are you actually eating? Maybe you might be in this room and you say, man, my earthly father gave me a bad example. But here's the, reason, here's the reality. You got another example to pull from. As a Christ follower, sure. I already said it. Dads ain't perfect. I know I'm not perfect. But the truth of the matter is you don't have to pull from that example. You have a heavenly father that says, I got the right tree you should eat from. You eat this fruit, and I'm telling you, you always going to know how to forgive. I, I, I love this because your level of forgiveness should be in step with God the Father's because as a believer, the fruit of his spirit should flow through you. But I do also recognize it's hard to forgive if you don't even realize you've been forgiven. When the Bible talks about forgiveness, it does a very good job at letting us know that we should forgive and that we have been forgiven. 
Just to give you some Bible so you know I'm not making all this up, Matthew 6, 14 through 15, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others of their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. I thought God forgives everybody. Yeah, when they learn how to forgive. Mark 11.25, and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them. He's like, don't even pray until you forgive. So y'all pray, God smite them. Wrong prayer. You should be praying, God forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you of your sins. Ephesians 4, 31 through 32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you. The thing about forgiveness is that it's very hard to understand as a concept if you have not fully experienced forgiveness. Forgiveness is hard to grasp if you lack the experience of forgiveness. It's funny, being a dad has, to has taught me a lot. And you know what's one of the things I learned as a dad? You don't have to teach kids how to sin. They come out the womb ready. They're like, David, I was born in sin. That's what David said, right? Like, if I sit around long enough and I leave my child at her own devices, especially when she was small, she just do all kinds of crazy stuff. I'm like, where you learn that? She didn't. It's in her, just like it's in all of us. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What I realized, you don't have to teach kids how to sin. You got to teach kids how to say, I'm sorry. You got to. Because they, they don't know that. Like, like, sin is innately in them, but like, I'm sorry? Like, nah. They'll say no before they say I'm sorry. No! Shut up. Say I'm sorry. Right? I want you to, I want you to, I want you to catch this. Like, I'll never forget, there was a time, and y'all play, man, so this sound more spiritual. There was a time that uh, when Baba was like real small. And I, as honestly, I re, I, you know what I just realized, Joanne? I've traumatized Baba. She has this thing with spicy food. I realized I caused it. Yeah, I love spicy food. I love, the hotter the better. So, <laughs> one day when Baba was real little, you know, we always kind of like prepare food and then, you know, I, Joe will always make mine a little bit spicier, you know? So one day it's just me and Vaba, and I don't know what happened. I, I was making some food. I was like kind of making it for my taste. And I'm like, all right, Vaba, come eat. So Vaba comes to eat, and I'm thinking she just being like a spoiled brat. Like, I don't want this food. Now, first of all, I don't want y'all to play me. I could cook, okay? I can cook. But Vaba's like not eating the food. She's like, Dad, spicy. It's spicy. <laughs> she was I'm like, what you talking about? Ain't spicy. Like, I'm eating it. I'm like, ain't spicy. Ain't spicy. And you know, sometimes, like, when, when you, you know, you season food with certain seasonings, and, like, you know, it, it might not hit all the food, but it might hit a portion of it. Oh, what you talking about? It's fine. I'm, like, crushing it. 
That's spicy. That's spicy. I'm like, sick of this. Young great for child. I work hard. Put the food in front of you. Put the food in your plate. You eat this. Food. You eat the food now. People in Africa that don't. <laughs> she tried. I'm like, oh, you such a you, you being a drama queen. So let me see this food. I take a spoonful of this food here. And I was like, oh, it's spicy. <laughs> Y'all, man, I had tears in my eyes. I got down on the floor. I, 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 said, I said, get her some milk. I ran. I got my baby. She's crying. I said, baby girl, just drink the milk. I'm like bathing her in milk. I'm like, I'm I'm sorry. I admit I almost killed my child. Please live. Because if your mama come over your dad, she going to kill me. Gave her milk. I was like, baby, I'm so, I'm sorry. Situation calms down. And I go up there. I was like, baby girl, you know dad ain't mean that, right? She was like. Still kind of feeling some kind of way about it. I was like, I'm so, so sorry. I can't, I can't believe I did that to you. And I, I really spent a moment like just saying I'm sorry to my little baby girl. I had to humble myself. I'm the dad, I'm the old man, supposed to, you know, know the right thing. I had to humble myself before my own kid. So I'm so, I never meant to do that. And we've been going on that sorry journey for a while. And now that my child is 13, because of those times in my life where I humble myself as a parent, because see, some parents got this thing. It's like, I'm the parent, so I'm always right. And you never really teach your children forgiveness properly because they've actually been hurt from things that you should have apologized for and you didn't. So now they walk around with that hurt their entire life. And it jacks up all their relationships. Let me tell you something about my child now. When my child does wrong, she will look me in the eye. And she was, Dad, I'm so sorry. I can't, I can't believe I did that. And my child is looking for my approval so much, she'll just start doing things around the house because she thinks if I do something, then Dad's going to be okay with me. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a clean, I'm a, Dad, you good? You see what I'm doing? She's like washing dishes. <laughs> like, Dad, you good? She's like mopping floors. I'm like, baby girl, you ain't even got to do all that for my approval because I love you no matter what. But I'm blessed as a father because she understands the importance of saying I'm sorry. Where'd she learn that from? Her old man had to humble himself. And she's seen me and her mother do that time and time and time again. Now, she's so quick to say I'm sorry when she does something wrong. And what I want you to understand is she couldn't understand that until she experienced it. Y'all, forgiveness works the same way. It's hard for some of us to process how to forgive people until we realize that we have been forgiven. There are things in life that you can only learn through experience, and forgiveness is one of them. 
There's not a person on this planet that was born forgiving except Jesus. Why was Jesus born forgiving? Why? Because the Bible says he was redemption before creation. His very purpose was to come on this earth and forgive. The rest of us, we got to learn it. We got to learn it. And we've only learned it through experience. The issue with people is we have an expectation out of others just to know things that we actually had to take the time to learn ourselves. What I want you to catch today is things are so much easier to grasp once you've had the experience. I'm going to do something real quick and we'll get out of here. Dad, can you come up here, please? You ain't got to say nothing. Just come on. I know. I know you don't like to talk. Just come up here. I love you to death. Come on. Come on. Come on. I knew he was going to hate this. Holy Spirit called the audible on me this morning, so you just got to deal with it. Holy Spirit said do it. I'm going to do it. Come on. I love you, man. Come on. Come. Come, come, come. Help me out. He hates this kind of stuff, by the way. He probably won't talk to me after his service. It's okay. <laughs> you, you, until you've had an experience, some of us find it so hard to forgive people because we haven't had an experience. And we hold stuff against people because we just assume that they should know. When some things people do, they don't even like realize, right? You heard that old saying? You can't really understand and know somebody till you've walked a mile in their shoes. Hey, Dad, take, take your shoe off, man. Aww. Let me see it. Take it off. You're my dad, so this is, like, cool to do. You know, when, when I was little, I used to, like, wear your shoes and I couldn't fit them? Yeah, I know. So, yeah, give me the other one. Oh, I, like, I, actually, I actually fit this now. So, he's kind of cool. I feel like Michael Jackson. Billy Jean is not my. I love my dad. He's a humble dude, get the shirt off his back for anybody. But his shoes feel different on my feet because they're not my shoes. Like, I can't, I can't walk the way I normally walk in his shoes. I, I feel different in his shoes because my shoes are different. I got flat feet, so like my, my shoes have to be a little bit bigger. I got arches in, in, in my shoes. I'm telling all my business for no reason, but... Um, I feel different in my dad's shoes, man, because they're not my shoes. But when, I, when I'm in my dad's shoes, it helps me feel like my dad because it helps me navigate the experience the way that he navigates life experience. So the things he feels as I'm in his shoes, I feel what he would feel as if I was in his shoes. There are people in life right now and I would just want to pose the question to you that there are people that maybe you are harboring unforgiveness against, but I, I would ask you, have you taken time to walk in their shoes? Like, we're mad at people, but the reality is we don't understand the day-to-day -day experience that those people have to go through because we've never walked in their shoes. Why? We judge them with our shoes on. 
So we judge people with our experience. We judge people with our trauma. We judge people with our relationships. We judge people with our wisdom. We judge people with our knowledge. My expectations of him as a dad only come from what I know. So if I'm, if, if he doesn't meet my fatherly expectation, it, it, it's not necessarily because he was a bad dad. If I take time to walk out his life experience, then I may learn that there was past trauma in his life that caused him to be the dad that he was to me. But because I haven't taken the time to walk in his shoes, I can say, Dad, I can't believe you didn't do this. Dad, I can't believe you didn't do that. Dad, this. Dad, this. And I'm sitting here judging this man from a selfish place. Because I didn't take the time to try to understand who he was. I wish we would take some time in life to walk in somebody's shoes for a moment because you know what I found? I'm, I'm metaphorically walking in my dad's shoes. I'm walking in his dad's, in my dad's life right now. But you know what helped me understand you more as a dad? Dad, you don't have to answer. Being a dad myself. When I became a dad for the first time in my life, I had to step into his shoes. So all the things that I judged him for as a kid, I was like, I got that so wrong because I had no idea the pressure he had to face just to get up and go to work every morning as a black man in America. I had no idea the pressure he had to face just to stay when so many before him had left. I had no idea the pressure to express love and show love when, when that wasn't necessarily shown to me. But now that I'm a dad, I'm like, I have so much more grace for your experience because now every day I gotta walk in your shoes. So because of that, I wanna do this and dad, it's, it, you ain't got to say nothing. But I, Holy Spirit's like, you have to do this. I have to do this. Now that I'm finally a father and I'm walking in your shoes, I want to say, dad, I want to I ask for forgiveness. And I want to say, I'm sorry for all the times I judged you not knowing what it felt like to be you. Until I had my own kid, I didn't know how hard it was to express love to a kid. Until I had my own kid, I didn't know what it felt like to have to carry the weight of a family on my back. Until I had my own kid, I didn't know like the pressure just to stay in the fight. And I want to humble myself before you and this whole congregation today and say, Dad, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me. I love you, man. I hope you know. I hope you know, man. I'll give you your shoes back because them some big shoes to fill. 
I love you, man. Forgiveness is easy once you've taken the time to walk in somebody else's shoes. I can't forgive! You know why? Because you're selfish. Take time in life to understand somebody else's experience. Because let me give you the gospel. You know why Jesus can forgive you? Because he didn't just walk in your shoes, he walked in your sin. He that knew no sin became sin for us so that in him we will become the righteousness of God. The only reason that Jesus can forgive you today because he did not die for you, he died as you. He took all of your sin. He stepped in your shoes. He got down from heaven and says, I want to know what it feels like to be Brianna. I want to know what it feels like to be Harold. I want to know what it feels like to be Sasha. I want to know what it feels like to be Kevin. So I'm going to step inside of their shoes and wow I never realized how hard it was to be them so I am going to show them what forgiveness looks like why because I've walked a mile in their shoes if you can believe it say man Jesus was fully able to walk in our shoes on that cross and he says father forgive that's not a perspective that you have without an understanding of people some of us holding some nonsense in our spirit today I'll never forgive them really Jesus forgave you because he's been you everything you've ever done everything you've ever experienced it ain't new to Jesus he took it all on a cross the audacity of you not to be able to forgive somebody else. He's walked miles. He's walked lifetimes in your shoes. Can you find it in your heart to forgive? Because no matter how terrible we are, Jesus knows there is nothing in your life that will affect you like when a father forgives you. If you believe it, say amen. Thank you so much for tuning in. To hear more messages like this one, please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. And if you like what you heard, please consider sharing with your friends and family to be a blessing to their lives as well. Don't forget to connect with us at our website, thecoolchurch.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Are Cool Church. And always remember that you were created out of love.